Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. Tumbles here. And today we have a very special episode because we are having our first returnee guest come on the show. Tina was our second guest ever. And she came on last summer talking about her experiences and adventures in the White Mountains as well as in Western Maine where she lives. Also, she went into talking about how her gym family kind of molded her life. And we get to hear that more in today's episode as well. Tina is such a pleasure to chat with. She brings a smile to our faces all the time. And uh, not only when we talk to her, but also on our Instagram. So we follow her. She follows us. And, you know, she's just one of those people that brings a light into a room. Uh, So... We'd like to just give our socials out as per standard. Follow us on the Instagrams, rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore pod. We are on TikTok, rocks underscore roots underscore podcast. We are also on YouTube. Just type in our podcast name. You'll be able to find us there. And we have a Patreon. So please, if you are enjoying the show, please consider giving a few dollars to help us out with our subscriptions. And finally, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Please leave us a note, say hi, leave some stars. We appreciate hearing from all of you. And now without further ado, here is the wonderful Tina. Well, good evening, Tina. Uh, It's so great to talk to you once again. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here tonight. Awesome. You are our first recurring guest, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, so Tina was our second guest all the way back years ago. I'm kidding. So July 2021, she came on, and I know you can't see Tina, but Tina has always a smile on her face. So that's why we also like her very much, because she yes. brings she brings happiness and light and love to the party, so... Oh, so happy to have you back. Thank you so much. All the way back on episode 23 of the Rocks and Roots <laughs> podcast. What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just, it feels like it was so long ago when it was literally only a few months back. So a lot, lot's mm-hmm. happened since then. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why we wanted to bring you back because you have a lot to update us on. But for those that didn't go back, and I highly encourage anyone listening this, to this to go back to episode 23. But those of for those people who are too lazy to do that, um, can yeah. you give us like the 30 second who you are and what's your hiking experience, all that good stuff? Sure. So um my name is Tina. Um, I have an Instagram account, Tina Treks NE uh, for New England. Um, I am a 50-year-old wife, mother, grandmother, um, full-time Is that new? worker. Uh, but no, my granddaughter I've had, uh, she's eight, so. Oh, okay. But, but my oldest son and his wife are are due in June for a second grandbaby. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I don't remember men- us talking about that last time, so that's great. Um, so anyway, um, my kids are obviously all older now, and, uh, you know, 
I, I've always been interested in um, working out and staying active and need a kind of a, that hobby, something to do. And, and uh, by virtue of my gym, uh, True Strength Athletics in Norway, I ended up um, climbing mountains uh, as part of, you know, in internal competitions that we have there or just by virtue of going hiking with friends at the gym. So got into hiking. Um, and then started getting into peak bagging. Um, in 2019, I started uh, on the New Hampshire 48 4,000 footers. And while I was doing that, was like, what am I limiting myself to New Hampshire for? I live in Maine. Um, let's work on the New England 67. So that is uh, 4,000 footers, 67 4,000 footers or above in Maine, New Hampshire and Vermont. Um, so I started working on that. And then um, as, as many peak baggers do, you get addicted to a bunch of other lists. So started the 52 with a view list, um, started working on the New England 100 highest um, because a lot of the mountains that are in the, on the 4,000 footer list and even some of them are on the 52 with a view list are on the New England 100 highest. So you might as well check the boxes. Um, so that, uh, basically, uh, got me into the hiking world and from there it just evolved. It's just, um, it's, you know, it's a, I'm a weekend warrior, um, for the most part, unless I'm on vacation or if I can take days off. Um, but even on my lunch break, um, quite honestly, there's a small mountain by where I work. Um, sometimes on my lunch break, I'll just go up there just to get up, you know, closer, closer to the clouds, closer to heaven, right? <laughs> I am so jealous. I am stuck in a <laughs> windowless room all day. Oh. And in, yes, and in the winter, I there are a couple of weeks where in December, where it's the shortest amount of daylight, I literally do not see the sun for <laughs> like a couple days. It's bad. So that is awesome that you have something that close. Mm -hmm. So can you update us? Where are you on your lists since we last talked? Yeah, sure. So on the New England 67, um, I am 37 in. Awesome. Um, so a little over halfway or the halfway mark um, uh, on that list. When we met last, I think I still hadn't tackled um, Washington or Katahdin or... Nope, um, I want to hear about that. And yeah. I did that after... Um, so last summer I ended up uh, an, an awesome trip to um, Baxter State Park and climbed Mount Katahdin um, and uh, climbed Mount Washington, I think in it's either August or September. Um, so checked off a few more of those peaks um, since the last time we met. That is awesome. Yeah, I, we definitely want to hear about Katahdin and Mount Washington. Mm -hmm. But you have other major news uh, since we last spoke. And this is the other reason that we wanted to bring you on um, to get a very different perspective on Hiking. So you've had some major health issues and a surgery. What's been going on with that? 
Yeah, so I had to take um, a little bit of a hiatus um, from hiking. Uh, in October, I found out I had breast cancer um, and I was very fortunate that it was caught on a routine mammogram, so caught really early. I didn't even feel a lump. I, yeah. I had no clue. I mean, I I was living it up last year, as you guys know. I was hiking every weekend. I was out there. I was like going nuts hiking. <laughs> um, and I got so much done. And I just had to go for my routine appointment um, in September. And they called me back and they were like, uh, we need you to come back in. And um, we want to take another look. So they did another um, mammogram. And this time, instead of sending me home, they actually just had me wait in the waiting room. And she said, I want you to wait for a few minutes. I want the doctor to look at the imaging now. Um, she came back like 10 minutes later and said, we, we want to do an ultrasound right now. And so they did an ultrasound on uh, my left breast. And um, I, as soon as they got, you know, the location, what they were looking for, and, you know, the, the technician was... Um, manipulating the wand over that area, I saw the tumor on the imaging wow. and I knew, I mean, I looked at her, she looked at me and she's just an ultrasound technician. So she can't tell right. me cancer, right? She's taking her pictures, doing her thing. Mm -hmm. And so they, um, they had me come back for a biopsy in early October. Um, and I had two biopsies, two biopsies because there were two areas they were concerned about. One was the tumor and another one was an area that just didn't look like it was formed, um, but they were worried about. So they did two different kinds of biopsies. Um, one was an ultrasound guided um, biopsy and the other was a what they call a stereotactic biopsy. And that's done right through the mammogram machine. And then long story short, um, five days later, you know, on, on October uh, 17th, they gave me a call. I was out to dinner with one of my friends. They gave me a call and the nurse was like, you know, I, I'm sorry, unfortunately, um, you know, you have cancer. Uh, it's called invasive ductal carcinoma. Hmm. So IBC, um, it's very common cancer in women. Um, and it's hormone driven. So it's, it's really, uh, estrogen and progesterone positive. Uh, mine showed up at 90%. And so that, um, that is what was causing the cancer or what causes it. And so um, they gave me a bunch of options. Uh, they gave me an option of lumpectomy, which is basically just going in and taking out the tumor um, and then have some radiation after and uh, go on this drug called tamoxifen for five years. That was one of my options. Um, my other option was um, either single or double mastectomy uh, with no radiation and still have to take the tamoxifen. And obviously option three, do nothing. And you see what happens with that. <laughs> um, so after a lot of research and um, chats with friends of mine who are doctors and nurses, and my aunt who used to work at a breast um, clinic, um, after some of those conversations, I decided to have a double mastectomy um, because I didn't want radiation. Yeah, I, I just didn't. You. Yeah. Um, so I chose double mastectomy and the treatment after mastectomy is um, five years on tamoxifen. 
Um, so the, so that kind of during that time I was hiking, I was getting out in the mountains more to, to clear your mind. (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't, I don't think I was doing any really 4,000 footers. I was just getting out to some of the places like Shokora, as an example, I never summited Shokora all the way. Well, I went back out there. It's like, I, I needed redemption, right? I, I went to Adams again, another time, um, uh, I did a couple of other little hikes on things that I didn't quite summit. It was almost like I needed a redemption. I needed to to uh, get out there and finish what I didn't finish. Um, and then I had, um, so uh, obviously through all of that, you get a bunch of doctor's appointments and, um, you know, in and out of testing and just everything and it was all just a big blur in, in a quick time frame. Very um, quick. I ended up being scheduled for my surgery. Um, I had my double mastectomy December 7th. Um, and I chose reconstruction after. So they put um, what's called tissue expanders in, um, which are temporary implants. And the purpose of those is they, they when they put them in, you're kind of semi-flat. And then they slowly fill them up. You go for fills and they fill them up and it stretches the skin while the incisions are healing at the same time. Um, and then I'm going to end up having the, um, my exchange will be sometime in April or May. Um, so right now um, I'm, I'm about the size that I was before. Um, the tissue expanders are a little uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's going to be... I, I haven't, so it'll be interesting to see how they feel with a pack on, because um, uh, they're a little, they're just strange. Um, but uh, so yeah, so I had the double mastectomy, and then a couple weeks later I had an infection, so they had to open me back up oh. and do a debridement. Yeah. Um, but and that was the twenty first of December, so right before Christmas. Um, so since then I've been good. Everything's been really good and starting to feel back to normal and, you know, back out, um, doing some hikes and I run a couple of times, although that felt awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, and I'm taking the tamoxifen, which is the five-year treatment. Wow. I mean, just listening to you, so glad you're, you're better and healthy and 90% back to normal. Uh, My grandmother had a very similar thing about 12 years ago. Uh, I think it was the same type of cancer and uh, they did just a single mastectomy. Uh, But once again, she got an infection as well, had to go back in. So it's, that's also seems more common than not. They said it was common. And what caused mine actually was they, they inject you with a radioactive dye um, when they do your surgery because they look for where the tumor is pumping blood and wherever it's pumping the blood, those are the lymph nodes that they remove. So they remove lymph nodes too. Um, So that blue dye was trying, usually you flush it out through your kidneys um or sometimes it it gets in your eyes they said mine was trying to exit my body through my incision and so it caused it caused um, an infection and necrosis so my skin was basically just dead oh wow oh it it was nasty yeah i bet (laughs) oh man well i so 
your <laughs> second surgery was the 21st of December. Yes. And did you have the expanders in at that point? Okay. Yeah, they, they were in. Yeah. Okay. So she actually, she actually had to, um, um, take a little bit of volume out mm-hmm. in order to open me back up, cut the skin and then reflap it. Oh, so she had, to, she had to take a little bit of volume out. And so now we're back in the process of filling me back up. Okay. It's like a gas station. <laughs> oh man. Um, so how long of a recovery before you felt comfortable getting back on trail? I hiked three weeks after, um, so a week after I had my debridement, I went out to um, Streaked Mountain, which is that local hike that I um, do by my work. Um, And I've been do, and I started doing some rolling trails behind my house. So there's a lot of, I have, I live by a trail network. And so started doing some um, local trails and Streaked Mountain. And the reason I picked Streaked is because they have um, an access road on the backside of it that the cellular trucks go up because there's a cell tower up there. And so the access road is really just like walking up a road, but you're walking uphill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like a two thousand. Yeah, it's like a two thousand footer, so it's not a huge mountain. Even if that, it might. I think it's only like fifteen hundred feet, maybe. Um, so it's it's a nice, gentle walk uphill, um, and I figured that would keep my stamina um, until I can do some more difficult um, hikes. Good, very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It sounds like you started to kind of ramp it up. What have you done beyond that? Uh, that's, since, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I've just been doing local trails around okay. here. I'm doing Streaked Mountain. Um, there's a mountain close by called um, Rumford Whitecap. Um, I've done another mountain called Noise Mountain. Just little local mountains. Um, been working on that. Just to keep stamina again, just to keep Good. stamina. I have not been out to New Hampshire yet. Um, I guess you've been back to the gym though, as well. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I'm back at the gym okay. um, a couple awesome. of times a week. Yep. Awesome um, stuff on Instagram of your lifting, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My deadlifts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go, go check that out, guys. Um, it, it's pretty badass. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, We've always found that hiking helps with our mental state, and I don't think either of us have gone through anything like that, to the best of my knowledge. Um, how has that? How has the hiking helped with the recovery? Helped with your mental state? Even just doing those local trails. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if the activity of hiking helped as much as the what you experience and encounter when you're hiking so from a mental perspective like as i'm going through the cancer diagnosis and as i'm going through like um the surgery and everything even my plastic surgeon was like i can't believe your body's resilience and how quickly you're healing she said that so many times like even with the infection she was just like 
this is just a little bump. She's like, you are so far ahead of where I've seen other women. And I, I attribute that to the endurance, right? Getting out there, exercising the gym stuff too. Obviously I train hard and I've got very strong muscles. And I think a lot of that helped position me, um, to heal a lot quicker but from a mental perspective and the mind fuck that was going on in my head i drew on times when i was alone out in the presidential range as an example i i i drew on the i was out um one particular hike i did this summer i wanted to do madison adams and Jefferson, because I was practicing for my Prezi Traverse. And I I remember I had to bail on Adams because a storm was coming in and I beat myself up so badly. But at the end of the day, my trainer, um, he was like, Tina, but you did Madison and Adams and you did, and you, and in Strava, like I, I beat my records from before, like I was beating my awesome. time frames, right? And so I drew on a lot of that experience. Like that was hard shit. Like I was out there, it was hard. I was by myself. It was on a weekday. So it wasn't inundated with a lot of other people out there. And so um, when I'd have a a hard day with the cancer where I was just getting in a bad place, I, I kind of drew upon that and was like, yeah, but you remember when you were out and the range and, you got yes. up that rock pile. And so I, um, and, and, and numerous other difficult times like Katahdin, I, I soloed that. I went with a group of friends, but I'm slower. So I let them go ahead. I was like, go ahead. And so a lot of the, the scrambling with Katahdin, um, is, uh, it's pretty extensive. There's a lot of scrambling, a lot of, it's a, it's a very physical and, um, you get to spots where you're just like, I can't do this by myself. Like I'm five, two and, and I have to get up this six foot, you know, I've got to scale six feet here and you use your resources and your brain and your mind. And, and I think, um, honestly, I don't know if I would have handled cancer the same mm-hmm. if I didn't have that experience of hiking and, and having, fear out there, overcoming that fear out there, um, having to draw on my own inner strength because I hike solo, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I had to learn out there to, to draw on my own inner strength and not rely on people to, to make me feel better. Like I, I, I learned, I got so many valuable, um, tools and, um, lessons out in the mountains that, that helped me in this, in this journey. Like I never, there were times I got down. Yeah, sure. There were times I was pissed. Yeah, sure. You go through the grief cycle. Um, but at the end of the day, I was like, I, I fucking climbed the, the top five highest peaks in new England in one summer, in one summer. If I can do that, if I can get my body to do that, I sure as hell can beat cancer. And that's yeah. how I look at it. We say yep. it all the time that what we gain and learn on trail, we bring to the real world. And things that before looked so stressful, they roll Not off enough. our backs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
And when you're out there, the act of exploring new places and seeking adventure is it's a primal desire in humans. And when you're out there exploring new places, you're literally building new neurons. You're literally building new pathways in your brain as you're solving these problems and you're creating literally more of you. And then you draw on that in other parts of your life. I love that you mentioned the problem solving. Yeah, Crank loves it. (laughs) Yes, comparatively. (laughs) I don't know if you listened to our last episode, Tina. By the way, Tina is like awesome. She listens to almost every episode. (laughs) Great. She's the best comments. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, the little, what the fuck mountain was it called? Wittenberg. Wittenberg. Wow. (laughs) That was only five days ago. It's been a long day. Um, yeah, little crappy 3,700-foot Wittenberg um, had a couple of problems and ledges. I did a chimney, and I absolutely oh, love those, those problems. Like yeah. those little, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, which is old rat. I... I it's one of my favorite trails. I can't shut up about this fucking trail. Tumbles tired of hearing about it. I don't care. <laughs> Old Rag Trail in Virginia, Tina. If you ever get down there, or maybe you know you could meet us here, and we'll we'll go down there together, or whatever. But that is full of that stuff. That is about six miles of just solving problems. It's oh, amazing. So fun. Yes. It's the most difficult trail in Virginia. Wow. Yeah. But Katahdin and Washington, that's that's amazing. So we definitely want to hear more about Katahdin, but we also did Mount Washington since we last spoke. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's start there. What route did you take? So I, I know you guys did the traditional Tuckerman's yes. Ravine. That's like traditional. Um, I've been up Tuckerman's Ravine before and climbed up the head wall, but never right. went to the full summit. Okay. Um, so for, um, for my Washington summit, my favorite trail out in the White Mountains um, is Amanosic Ravine. Amanosic Ravine starts out gentle. You get a nice probably two miles of warm up and beautiful like you're you're next to the Amanosic River the whole time you've got the nice sounds of the river and it's a beautiful warm up and then you hit an area um that's called um gem pool and gem pool is is this huge waterfall I don't even know maybe I don't know how tall it is but it's quite tall um people can google it um but it's quite tall and then it drains into this you know beautiful little um um looks like a pond almost Mm -hmm. and so stop there get some water and then you start going up the the next mile and a half two miles after that is straight up um and challenging um but you um you pop out at views really quick and so you're climbing up and you're working hard, but every time you look around, you're, you know, you're seeing. You get rewarded. Um, oh, heck yeah. With like, so you're in the great Gulf wilderness, you're seeing um, just everything. So 
um, you climb up a couple miles and then you're at Lake of the Clouds hut. Oh, um, okay. And so at Lake of the Clouds, you can stop and get a bite to eat, uh, you know, use the, the, facilities, poorly. <laughs> you know, use the facilities if you need to. Um, the cool thing is Mount Monroe is right there, which sits in the middle of the presidential range. And Mount Monroe is literally like maybe a 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 mile climb up. And it's, a, it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. So you can tag that really quickly come back down um, and then make your way up Crawford Path to Mount Washington, which um, from Lake of the Clouds Hut is 1.5 miles, so a mile and a half. So does that, um, um, does that, is that the same trail where you get up on the top of Tuckerman and you, you go up Washington? Is that the same trail? So I don't know because there's a lot of trails that, that you can up. take. Okay. Um, I believe off Tuckerman, I don't think you hit Crawford Path. I think you hit, I think you might hit Gulfside Trail. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. Or, yeah. Or um, Alpine Garden. Um, so oh, there's a bunch. Yes. Of, yeah. There's a bunch of little um, trails that all kind of spider web around um, the summit cone. Oh, okay. Um, Crawford Path, though, is the oldest um trail in the presidential range and that was the one used originally to to hike up mount washington with you know horse horse and horse drawn carriages or whatever isn't that a sign on top of washington like delineating that trail yes that's right yeah it, it's like the oldest trail um in the whites uh, that's really cool and and the cool thing is it starts at so if you have the presidential range behind me there. Um, it starts at Mount Pierce, which is the southernmost tip end of the presidential range, and Crawford Path will go all the way up to Washington, um, and then it hits Gulfside Trail, but it, it'll take you all the way up to Washington from Mount Pierce. You can follow it. Um, so when people do the Prezi Traverse, you know, they start off usually Valley Way, and then they hit Gulfside, and then they hit, you know, They'll do Madison, Adams, Jefferson, Washington. And then when they get to Washington, they hit Crawford Path and exit out and hit Monroe, Eisenhower, Franklin, oh, Pierce, wow. all on Crawford Path. Wow. Okay. And yeah, then... so I'm on a Crawford Path, which oh, I think wow. is easy peasy. Oh, wow. Okay. So that, that's on the list for this summer. That's on the list. And did you do any other... Um, peaks while you were there, or you just hit Washington. Did you take any side trails and get grab any others? Oh, I gotta tell no, but I gotta tell you, um, I did not grab any other mountain. Um, I, I didn't do any other peaks that day because I had already had Monroe. Um, I hit Washington, but um, I had company that day. I was with friends, and we decided to originally we were going to exit down um, the Jewel Trail, mm -hmm. but we decided to walk down next to the Cog instead. So we followed the cog all the way down. Oh, that's man. awesome. Yeah. So the trains were going by. And we're oh, that's great. Passengers are taking pictures. Like it was really cool. And and of course you get a view the whole time. There's no trees all along the cog. You're you're just walking downhill. Yeah. And and it's only like two and a half miles down from Mount Washington down to the bottom. That's yeah. really cool. And did you park at the um cog parking lot? 
Is that where so you So the Amanusic Ravine Trail is about a half, not even a half a mile from the cog. Okay. So we had to we had to road walk a little bit, but not even a half mile. Nice. We yeah. almost that's if we do it again, I think that's the route we'll take. Yeah, definitely. But we almost did a bad. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this on our Mount Washington episode, but you will be amused, Tina. Um, we did Tuckerman Ravine. In your opinion, which route is better? I like Amanusik. Okay. Personally, that's my favorite. Tuckerman's is cool too, um, but it, it gets to business quicker that's all you just you start working a lot quicker although although i don't know the walk up to hojo's which is the you know the little um ranger station there it's not too bad i mean you're going up but it's not too bad but i find the footing um a little rockier Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um on the on that trail and then the the climb up the head wall yeah is pretty difficult and there's a lot of scrambling on that trail, um, I don't, there's not as much scrambling on Amanusik. Um, there's Very a lot more slabs. I mean, there's a couple little scrambles. It's a lot more slab. So, I mean, you're you're walking on slab um, and there's a couple spots you have to scramble. But for the most part, um, there's not a lot of scrambling. You get a nice warm up and then you have the hut and the hut is just like so cool. You stop and have a quick lunch or something and then another mile and a half to the summit cone. Um, and again, no big major scrambles. It's more just walking on the talus. I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, some talus to, to negotiate, but um, other than that, I just find it to be a gentler approach in my opinion. Well, yeah, absolutely. That is, that, that will be on the list because like you said, there are so many trails just to get up, near lake of is it lake of the clouds right lake of the clouds clouds. tier of the clouds is in the adirondacks lake of the clouds is is in the whites um i forget the name of the trail crank when we were going up tuckerman we kept looking to our left and was it bootspur it was you were basically going up the hump of like a side of a cliff basically it must have been bootspur yeah, it, that does sound familiar. You've got Lion's Head, and you've got Boots. Yes. Yeah. We went down, I think we went down Lion's, Lion's Head. Head. Yeah. Yes. So the yeah, other one Lion's, must have been Boots Spur. And Lion's Head is the traditional winter approach, so a lot of people use Lion's Head. Okay. That's the winter approach. Yep. Um, and Boots Spur kind of is off to the side um, as you're coming up Tuckerman Ravine, and if you're climbing the head wall... If you look to the left, that's boot spur over there, and that'll eventually lead you over to like isolation. Um, it's very tempting. It, I, I, that's on the list too. Yes, but well, we need to do Monroe, so we need we to will... do a lot. <laughs> yes. Amanusik. Yep. All right, we will definitely head up Amanusik. Yeah. Um, but you will be amused at where. Mostly me, almost <laughs> screwed up. So we went up Tuckerman and we're eating breakfast in I, the visitor center, whatever you call it, up at the top. Um, I love mountains where you can like go inside and do some shopping and eat breakfast or lunch <laughs> at the summit. It's a you rare treat. Stuff. You can buy yeah. things. 
So I thought it would be a really cool idea for us to take the cog train down. And I was literally, I had my debit card out before, <laughs> before the guy selling the tickets was like, wait a minute, where are you parked? I'm like, uh, we're parked at the bottom of Tuckerman. Oh, um, He's like, yeah, if you take this cog train down, <laughs> Tina is shaking her head, laughing her ass off at us. Uh, if you take the cog train down, you will be 50 miles away from your car. We're <laughs> on the other side of the mountain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, best laid plans. Well, good job, Crank. It was a good idea in theory. In practice, we would have been fucked. <laughs> completely. You could have hitched a ride. You could have hitched This is true. But yeah, we will definitely take that route. Um, the next time. <laughs> okay, so now I guess we'll talk about Katahdin, which for an Appalachian Trail section hiker, I am ashamed to say I don't really know much about it other than it's the end of the trail and the sawhorse is up there, and that's really all I know about it. So educate me. There's a really nice ridge line, too. In some the, of the knife edge. Knife yeah. edge. Knife's edge, yeah. I did not... I did not hike Knife's Edge. Maybe, maybe this summer. Um, I was too, I chickened out. <laughs> I, that is on the list. I want to do that. I've been in a mood to do stupid things, which we'll talk about in a minute, because we have a stupid so, thing planned. So Katahdin, um, I had some friends who were planning on going, and um, they were they wanted to camp for the night. They were like, we're going to go camping. We're going to stay out there. We're going to we're gonna hike Katahdin. Do you want to go? And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll go." Um, and they were like, we're, "We've got a group of people. Some of us are gonna do Knife's Edge. Some of us are gonna do Chimney Pond." And at first, I was like, "Yeah, I, I think I could do Knife's Edge." And then, as the as it grew closer and closer, um, I changed my mind, and I was like, "I think I'm gonna do Chimney Pond because the people I was going with." a lot younger, like in their thirties and very lean and fast. <laughs> and I knew I was, I, I'm a slow hiker. So I was like, I'll do chimney pond. And there were a couple of girls who had uh, little to no experience with hiking. So I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll go with, with that. Group. <laughs> yeah. So um, the camping spot didn't work out. Um, just so you know, you have to book three months in advance to get yeah. a camping spot. So uh, right now, what it's February, March, April, May. So if I wanted to hike in May, I need to book my spot now. And so you have to book three months in advance. And something happened in the girl that did the booking. Um, she, something happened. She was just like, I can't get a spot. I can't get a spot. So we ended up staying in Millinocket, which is about 45 minutes away. And we um, stayed in a hotel there or motel or whatever it's called big room <laughs> we had like a, a place we with a, a bed yeah we had a suite which was nice and so we got up at four in the morning um because one of the things about Katahdin is Baxter State Park um you you can only get in if you have a park pass so you have to get a parking pass in advance too so you basically have to be on a list to even go in um and then once you get there you have to wait in line for the gate to open and you have to have your parking pass and the ranger comes and he checks everybody's parking passes and then he'll let you in. And based on what you're hiking is where you're parking type deal. Like, mm -hmm. so we were hiking um, up Chimney Pond slash Knife's Edge. So we had to park at the 
I think it's called Roaring Brook Campsite. So there's Roaring Brook, there's Chimney Point, I don't know, there's a bunch of different areas throughout the, the park, throughout Baxter State Park. So we got there. Um, we were there probably 5 a.m., 5.15 a.m. Gates open at 6. We were the second car in line. Um, so we were able to, you know, Ranger King checked us out. was like, yep, you're good. And we parked over in the Roaring Brook. Roaring Brook parking lot. That's really hard to say. Um, and we began our hike. Half our group, um, we, we, um, our trails diverged. At, the, at one point, we were together for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, it was, you know, you're going on this trail and we're taking the, I think it was Helen Taylor or something like that. They took Helen Taylor and we were um, doing Chimney Pond. And so a uh, nice, gentle warm-up, um, you know, a little uphill, get get you warmed up, and then you're at Chimney Pond, which is absolutely, like, incredible. Um, you're looking at basically a bowl, right? So you're in the bowl um, looking at a head wall, and, and there's this beautiful pond, and we're filtering water from the pond, and it's just absolutely amazing. And then um, after that little break, then the work begins and it's scramble, 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 scramble. And then we were on a slide. Um, and um, like what I did said, your newbies do with that? Huh? How did your newbies do with that? Uh, so I was just going to say, um, like I said earlier, I ended up hiking Katahdin by myself. So the newbies did quite well. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, how can they be so fast? But here's the, here's the thing. They were really fast. They waited. You know, they'd get to certain junctions or whatever, and they'd wait. Um, uh, but I just needed to go my own pace because yeah. I knew my body. And I knew what, what work was entailed and how many miles we were doing. And I didn't want to exhaust myself mm -hmm. and, and burn my steam. So long story short, um, we all summited. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Um, uh, we had a perfect, you know, bluebird day. It was absolutely amazing. The weather couldn't have been better. Um, there were a group of through hikers up there, um, that were, you know, celebrating their finale, um, from Georgia. So it was nice to see. It's very touching when you see the through hikers and you can just appreciate what an accomplishment that is for them. Mm, you know totally. what I mean? Um, it's a very busy peak. So like Mount Washington, you have to wait your turn to, to get to the summit sign and get your picture, but people are pretty courteous and, and move pretty quickly. Um, there are many different ways to ascend that mountain. Like next time I want to try going up a ball. I think it's called a ball, a B O L. Yep. Um, that's the AT ascent. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, um, it was pretty cool. There was, a, there's rangers everywhere. Like I talked to a couple of rangers hiking up the, the slide, uh, going down the slide was treacherous. It's all scree, you know, that, that loose yep. rock. And so I was a wreck with that, but I, I mean, I did it. I managed, I, I do fine. I'm used to doing that stuff by myself. So, um, but yeah, so at the end of the day, uh, we, we just had an amazing um, trek up there. It was really, it's probably the most beautiful mountain I've ever, ever been really? on. Just absolutely 
it's there's something about Katahdin. It's just magical. You're so remote and so um, just one with nature. And I mean, there's a lot of people, but it I don't know. It's not the same as the White Mountains, where it's like a conga line sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I think it's just a it's a really special place. What's the exact elevation? I believe it's five thousand seven hundred and some change. Okay. Oh, so it's a lot like Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot harder than Adams. Oh, I, I, I'm sure. It was okay. a, it's a hard, it's an arduous hike. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I took my time. I went slow. I did my pace. I was not sore for a week after, but all my friends were. They were like, are your legs still hurting? I'm like, my legs didn't hurt at all. <laughs> Even though they were faster, you've been doing it. You have the muscle memory. You, yeah. Yes. I was conditioned. Yes. So they were faster, but I my body and muscles were more conditioned. So I didn't get the, you know, my quads hurt for a week. Right. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I can't sit because it hurts. I was like, I'm fine. I was fine that day. I was fine the day after. That's um, great. If I did it now, I'd probably be sore for a week. Yeah. You just have to build back up, honey. It's all good. How many miles did you get in that day? Do you remember? Oh, I think, and I'm going off the top of my head here. Um, it was about 10. Oh. About 10 miles round trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not too bad. Very cool. I meant to ask you earlier, and I realized I forgot. What did you find to be more difficult this summer, uh, Washington or Madison? You mean Adams? Um, and Adams? No, I actually did mean um, Mount Madison. Didn't you, did you do that one this summer or no? I did. I did Madison and Adams together. I've done Madison oh, okay. like six times. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, Madison and me are friends. <laughs> okay. So, we yeah, like so them too. One, because <laughs> conditions for us played a factor. And Mount Washington was amazing. But I thought Madison was a far more difficult hike. It didn't help that the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour in our faces. Um, yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on that overall? Sure. So, um, uh, I found... And, and it depends on weather. It does. It really depends on conditions. Um, I think hiking Madison and Adams or Adams in particular is harder than Washington. Okay. Um, you are very exposed in the Northern Presidentials. There's a jet stream or whatever they call it. I don't know. There's some kind of weird weather. Like a microclimate. Yeah, yeah, that takes place in that in that area um, in the northern Prezies, specifically by Adams. That you gotta hit it just right, or you're gonna bump into weather, and you're gonna hit the wind. So you're gonna be fighting the wind, um, which is what they say happened to potentially Kate Mat- Matatropa. I was just um, thinking about her, about yeah. Yep. So that wind will, you know, I can knock it down or whatever. Um, I skirt the traditional trail um of airline up and and by star lake i don't go up that way if the weather is kind of eh and i'll skirt around gulf side and come up behind adams up um lowe's path which i found to be a little less windy less arduous um 
and even has better footing. Um, okay. Adding footing, like the, the amount of scrambling and the rocks and the talus that you're negotiating up there is, um, I think it's much harder than Washington, but I've only done one ascent of Washington too, right. so it's hard to compare. I've, I've come up Amanusik and that to me is an easier trail than what I've done to reach um, Madison and or Adams. Mm -hmm. I find those two more strenuous just because of the the rocks and the ankle twisters, that talus, those big boulders. Um, and I know Washington has them too, but maybe because so many people have, have stepped on them, especially Crawford Path, um, they seem to be more worn in and there's better footing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, one of the reasons that I'm picking your brain about that is because we have plans. You, in if this works out, you will be the first guest that we will actually meet in person and hike with. I'm ah, so excited. So, yes, we are very, very excited. So <clears throat> we are planning a March 12th summit mm -hmm. of Mount Adams. So can you, uh, the only route that, we know off the top of our heads is valley way up airline it sounds like you're saying that's probably not the best route for us uh, so valley way up airline um to uh, so there's so many different ways i i like valley way just because i'm used to it i've done it so many times and um i'm familiar with it but airline i heard um that diverges kind of to the right of valley way um, isn't that bad until you get to close to the hut? And that's, I guess, where that scrambling starts. And I just find, I, I kind of just want to go to the hut a lot of times, although in the winter, the huts aren't open anyway, so I guess right. it doesn't matter. But I'm usually wanting to, to stop at the hut and even change layers and do whatever. Um, an airline will pop out so that you can stop at the hut and then you can continue up airline if you want to go that way. Or like I said, I like to take Gulf side. You get a different view of, um, and of course I can't think of it right now. Is it Huntington Ravine? You get a really good um, backdrop of, I believe it's Huntington Ravine, um, but don't quote me on that because my brain is in a fog right now. That's all right. Um, but there's, you know, there's some good views back there on the Gulf Side Trail um, that I think you, you get off airline, but not as closely. So, yeah, I think it's Huntington Ravine. <laughs> um, okay. So, because I see people coming up it, when, mm -hmm. I, when I take that way, I'll see people climbing up that trail, and that's, like, a, one of the hardest trails. I think it's Huntington. See, I'm going to just focus <laughs> on that. Drive me nuts. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. So, so, I like to come Gulf Side, and then I hit Lowe's Path. Um, and, again, just because I like to see Adams from that perspective, and I like to see... Um, um, the views in that area from that perspective. So is that trailhead still Valley Way or is it a different side of the mountain? Yeah, it's it's Gulf side. Okay. Okay. It's part right, of so, Gulf side. Yeah. Yeah, this will be completely new for us, Tumbles. I'm excited. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and quite honestly, um, for something like that, we'll just have to look at trail conditions a couple of days before, see if it's, you know, 
Is it broken out? Right. Is the recent snow, is it broken out? Is it packed down? Um, what does the trail look like? And most of those networks are very heavily used. So um, I anticipate all of those trails will, will be in good condition, um, no you, matter what we decide to take. Yeah. Have, have you done Adams in the winter? No. Nope. Okay. Oh, this is an adventure. Madison. Madison I've done in the winter, um, okay. but not Adams. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be an adventure for all of us then. <laughs> and I, what I will try to do is do a live episode as oh. we're ascending. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take cues from Mr. James Appleton from Forty Six on Forty Six and try to do it. <laughs> That's gonna be an editing challenge. I commend you. <laughs> you just hear me swearing the whole time. Not- That'll be hilarious. I then. can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that'll be hilarious. My ascending language is much more colorful <laughs> than my descending language. Yeah, I can okay. I can relate to this. <laughs> I am just the opposite. Um, I love ascents and I hate descents. <gasps> so usually the way we work is ascending. I'm usually out in front. He's like a fucking um, gazelle going up the mountain. Yes. Happy as a clam, tumbles <laughs> is not happy. There was a trail of tears last week. Cursing and, then, and throwing <laughs> yes. shit and um and then going down, I am my ankles are killing me, my knees are killing me, and tumbles is usually out in front. So be prepared. <laughs> um so gear. We have done some more winter hiking since we last spoke we did um cascade in the adirondacks uh what are you recommending for gear tina so um because it's winter obviously I'm, and i'm looking at a i'm looking at a topo map right now i bet it, i think it's it's not huntington ravine i think it's King ravine. <laughs> we will put it in the show notes friends not to worry ravine i think but anyway um so gear wise, I, I think, um, I always bring micro spikes, obviously, and I always bring snowshoes, um, just in case there's some soft snow layers. Uh, yeah, I'm a triple layer. I got a base layer and I usually will do a mid layer. And then I always have, and this is like for pants, even, um, I always have like a shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with my top, I'll do a base layer, usually merino wool base layer. Um, and then I usually will do a mid layer, which is something with fleece. Um, and then I have a shell for, cause when you, when you're exposed, that's when you need your shell usually. Yeah. Um, I, I like the goggles, um, yes. I'm a fan of the goggles. Um, I know a lot of people just wear sunglasses, um, but I'm a fan of the goggles in case of cold, extreme conditions. Um, I usually pack about four hats because I sweat so much on the ascent that I my hats get wet. That's a really good idea. Um, and the, you know, you don't what you don't want to do is get wet and then get exposed yeah. to air, and especially if it's windy. Um, I always pack extra socks in case my socks get wet. My core, usually I, I sweat a lot. So I usually will end up hiking in my base layer um, and then start putting on layers as as it gets colder, as we 
as we start getting um, closer to the top. And in my pack, I carry, um, so water freezes in a bladder, so there's no yep. scent putting any water in a bladder. Um, so I usually will bring two Nalgene's, Nalgene bottles with water, and then I usually will put them in a sleeve upside down. So I flip them upside down and I put them in a sleeve. And if you don't have a sleeve, a lot of people will say put them in a sock, sock or yeah, something. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, and I try to just keep those in my pack because I try to keep them away from um, any exposure so that I don't have frozen water. And then for snacks, I usually, I mean, here's the thing with winter hiking. You usually are not as hungry and thirsty um, because you're, yes. not, you're not moving as fast and you're not um, sweating, sweating as much and you're, you're cold. So you're just moving, moving, moving. But it's still important to hydrate and it's still important to eat because you are still burning calories. And what you don't want is to experience um, dehydration, which can happen and then, you know, kick off some hypothermia potentially. So I try to still stop and, and eat little snacks. Like I'll bring energy, um, like I make energy balls um, with peanut butter and dates and, you know, chocolate chips. Um, so I'll bring stuff like that, something that's not going to freeze in your pack. Like, you know, a granola bar is going to freeze and you're not even going to be able to bite it. Yeah. And um, sometimes when I winter hike, I'll put like some chicken noodle soup in a thermos and bring that and just kind of sip on that and breaks because you get the sodium from the from the broth, right? I know people and use miso too. And you too. get the carbs, mm -hmm. you get the carbs from the noodles um, and the protein from the chicken. So you're getting a pretty good meal there. Even if it cools down a little bit in the thermos, it tastes so good when you're hiking. So those are um, just some things that I, I throw in. And then gloves, like, oh my God. So... I just bought last winter, like the big, I don't know what they're called. I call them like Arctic gloves. I think they're called moon gloves or something. They're just, they're black diamond makes them. And they're like, I don't know, a foot long. They're huge and they're meant for Arctic conditions. And okay. so I will wear those not while hiking, but usually At the summit. because you take your hand out and all of a sudden you can't feel it. It's like freezing, you know? And I have a problem with I, my hands get so cold. Um, I know. So I, I usually will pack two, three, like three pairs of gloves. Mm -hmm. Better um, to be overprepared than under. Yeah. I pack a bunch of, um, oh, a balaclava. I usually will have. I just got one. It came today. I'm so excited to use it this weekend. <laughs> I usually will pack a balaclava and a buffs. Buffs are good too to kind of like you, if you, you know, if you don't have a balaclava, you can wear a buff and, and put it around your neck and then lift it up over your nose. Yep. Um, those work pretty good, but they freeze. Um, so when you get the you snot know, in them and the snot freezes, oh, it's so nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think... Um, for the most part, that's about it. My winter pack is a lot heavier than my summer yes. pack, obviously, yeah. but I'm, you know, I know that this is not, 
Um, I, I do have a bivy in my bag. I, have I was just going to ask. The emergency stuff. I don't have, I don't pack a sleeping bag. And I know Neither I do we. Should. I know I should. Um, do you have I like should. one of those, my first aid kit, I just found this tumbles. Um, so I'll be saving a little weight because I've been doing accidentally two space blankets like the foil blankets i didn't realize my first aid kit has one i didn't want so, to share yeah. with you anyway <laughs> <laughs> so tumbles you have a emergency bivy i yeah. have something called a life tent and a space blanket i've got a couple space blankets and i've got a bivy and obviously my first aid kit and depending on what i am climbing um, with adams i'm not sure or if we'll need I don't think we would need um, an ice axe, but I do have an ice axe. Yeah, I'm it. I, I hear um, lion's head, you know, winter ascent of lion's head. A lot of people use an ice axe. I'm not sure. Like, I know Valley Way. You don't need an ice axe. Um, and I know going up, um, I'm not sure, like, Gulf Side, that trail up Lowe's Path probably wouldn't require an ice axe. There's nothing... There's nothing to scramble up to pull that you would need to pull yourself up like that. I don't know about airline, though. I, I'm not sure. I'd have to check, you know, conditions and with some people. But um, that's extra weight that I don't want to have to bring if I don't need it. But not everybody would agree with that, right? So some people would be like, you need to carry an ice axe and you need to carry crampons. And I just, I look at it this way. If I, if I negotiate a spot that I can't get up, I'm going to turn around. Yes. I'm not, okay. not going to try to put myself in danger. The only, the only downfall of that is if I'm coming down and I need something to slow me down, if I fall, if I fall on ice somewhere and I'm you know, going down, an ice axe is good to, to help stop you. Um, but yeah. anytime I've fallen in the winter, my pack usually slows. Yes. My right down. Yep. Also, what you're talking about with arresting your fall with an ice axe, like that requires practice and training. Like you shouldn't bring an ice axe expecting if I fall, I'm gonna Laura Croft this shit and arrest my fall. And, like <laughs> you could hurt yourself more from the ice axe and the crampons than the ice itself. And it also requires you having it out the whole time you're descending. Are you going to carry the ice axe the whole time you're descending? I don't know. Like, it depends, again, what, what the trail is. And if it's a trail that's notorious, like Lion's Head, if it's notorious for, like, you know, you may you may fall up or down, um, then, yeah. But some of the trails um, don't require that. So I think it's, you know, it's a judgment call. And um, good, bad, or indifferent, um, all of us take risks in life. And, you know, I'm not going to bring an ice axe every time I hike. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is awesome it, because it sounds like um, we are all pretty much on the same page. So this is good. And I'm glad we kind of, like, got to work this out on the podcast. That's right. For this is teamwork, here. people. Yes. <laughs> no, this is how you should plan before going out um especially with someone new you we haven't hiked with you you haven't hiked with us so this is exactly what you should be doing and the kinds of conversations you should be having whenever you're going with a new person so this is awesome 
but we've kept you about an hour and I know that I'm putting you on the spot, but, and we got permission when we talked to Kylo Grady to rip him off. (laughs) So do you have, and I know you listened to that episode. Oh, thanks. It was fun. That was, yes, that was fantastic. We got a public apology out of him for stopping trail tales. (laughs) We were so happy. But do you have a an updated trail tale from your summer adventures since we spoke to you last? Because last time you told a really interesting one about like people you met who were crying and like oh, underneath yeah, the, right. and the sleet and the in the ledge. That was awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to top that one, but do your I best. Don't think, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to top that one. Um. So I'm, I'll give you one that brought me peace. Um, so between when I had my mammogram and my biopsy in, in October, there were, um, I think a few days after my biopsy, I went to the White Mountains and I um, originally was going to go up Madison from a different ascent. I think it's called Pine Pine Bend, um, which is a, it's like the backside of Madison. It's not near Valleyway at all. But anyway, and when I got there, it was kind of later in the day. And I was like, ah, this is like seven miles. I think this is, it's like, it's like six or seven miles. And I knew that I'd just be crunched for time. So there's a mountain there called Pine Mountain. And I think it's on the 52 of the view, or at least it used to be. Um, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Pine Mountain Trailheads right here. I'll just go check that one out. And, you know, quickly look at all trails or whatever, you know, Google and, and see how many miles it is. And I think it was a five mile round trip. It wasn't a lot of miles at all. So I decided to go there. And I was reading in the all trails that there's this thing called Chapel Rock there. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go find Chapel Rock. I, I could use some chapel prayer type, whatever. <laughs> um, so anyway, I start hiking and it sits on, um, so it's all, part of the land is owned by the White Mountain National Forest and part of the land is owned by a church youth group. And I, And again, I can't remember off the top of my head the name of the church youth group. Um, but there's all kinds of signage as you're hiking, like don't, don't enter here. Don't enter here. Cause they have all these little summer camps for the kids for, for this church youth, um, group or whatever. So anyway, the good thing is because it was October, there was no summer camp in session. So I could go all the way over to Chapel Rock. So I ascended Pine Mountain, which was absolutely gorgeous um absolutely beautiful and it was fall so I had the foliage and I got to see Madison from a different viewpoint that I hadn't seen before um you know I'm sitting lower and I can look at over it um at Madison and then the Carter range is all there and it's absolutely beautiful and then I continued on to Chapel Rock um which is where they do have prayer service so I I get up there and on, you know, you're, you're at, it's not really a summit. It's a more like a, like a cliff, um, like a ledge mm-hmm. off the side of Pine Mountain. Um, I get there and there's this big wooden cross on top of a rock 
overlooking the Carter Mariah mountain range and the fall colors were there and the cross is there. And wow. I had so much on my mind that day. And, um, and I was by myself and I was, I summited that by myself. And so I, you know, I'm not a God person per se, but I took that opportunity to, to just like reflect and mm-hmm. say a little prayer and just be like, even if this is cancer, and I knew then it was, I knew because I had my ultrasound, you know, I was waiting for biopsy results, but I knew, and and I was like, you know, speaking to God and, and just being like, even if this is cancer, like, you know, have your will with me. If, if it's bad and I die, I die. If it's good and I live, I live. Um, but at the end of the day, I just was so appreciative of, I'm going to get choked up. I'm going to try not to, but I was just so appreciative to be at one with nature in that moment with that cross and that, that beauty. And I felt the presence of, um, and I think you feel it when you go to churches, right? You feel this presence of prayer or something. And it was just an incredible moment, um, of clarity and I was ready to accept whatever, whatever happened, I was ready to accept it. And I was, it was, you know, right there in the white mountains. And I was just like, it's okay. I'm okay. No matter what happens. Um, and I left that hike and I, I felt like everything was going to be okay. We that are, is wonderful. amazing. We often say nature is our church. Yeah. And um, it literally is because I learned this uh, recently stained glass the the reason that stained glass is the way it is and the sun shines through it's designed to replicate sun shining through trees and you get that effect on that's what stained glass is designed to replicate so churches are literally designed to replicate the feeling of connecting with god through nature so that's exactly right tina that's fantastic interesting Yes. Um, and then goodbye listeners. Don't care. Tumbles and I went to a Jordan Peterson lecture yesterday. Day before. Wow. I'm all screwed up this week, (laughs) but the lecture was on a lot of Bible. uh, Yes. And it was on the general theme was malevolence Mm -hmm. and not allowing the circumstances of your life to bring, not to, rephrase this kind of make yourself feel bad for yourself to accept right yes when you have adverse circumstances you can either let malevolence into your heart feel bad for yourself be angry at the world like Cain, or you can do what you did and seek out peace there's there's one of two ways you can go one is bad yeah one is not so i've always said um you know I think uh, being a victim, I just, I refuse to be a victim to anything. Um, I just think um, there's more to life than just, you know, it's more exhausting to be sad and angry and woe is me than it is to just be like, it is what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so Pine Mountain and it's the Horton Center. um, That's the church called the Horton Center. And they have summer camps for kids and kids spend all this time in the mountains up there. 
um, but they're closed in the fall and in the winter. So hikers can hike up to Chapel Rock in the fall and in the winter. And it is absolutely amazing. So if we end up having a really bad weather day, I think our plan B should be Pine Mountain. That's a deal. I'm down. Yep. I'm down. Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. And on that note, I think that's a good place to end. Yeah, definitely. Tina, as always, so Thank wonderful so to much. talk to you. So great. Thank you so much. And we are looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Same. It's going to be so fun. Tina, could you share your Instagram handle one more time for us? Yeah, so it's um, Tina Trex, T-R-E-K-S-N-E, as in New England. So Tina Trex, New England. Tina Trex, N-E. All right. Well, folks, give Tina a follow. She always has some great content up on Instagram. And as always, folks, it has been real. Ciao.